Welcome to First Formation, spiritual exercise for Christian soldiers looking to get the fuck up and pray. Join Pew Pew HQ every weekday morning to hear the good news through grunts and with grunts in the unity of the Holy Spirit as one church forever and ever. Fall in. Psalm 111 Praise the Lord. I'll give thanks to the Lord with my whole heart in the company of the upright in the congregation. Great are the works of the Lord, studied by all who delight in them. Full honor and majesty is her work, and her righteousness endures forever. She has gained renown by her wonderful deeds. The Lord is gracious and merciful. She provides food for those who fear her. She is ever mindful of her covenant. She has shown her people the power of her works and giving them the heritage of the nations. The works of her hands are faithful and just. All her precepts are trustworthy. They are established forever and ever to be performed with faithfulness and uprightness. She sent redemption to her people. She has commanded her covenant forever. Holy and awesome is her name. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. All those who practice it have a good understanding. Her praise endures forever. Exodus chapter 24, verses 1 through 11. Then he said to Moses, Come up to the Lord, you and Aaron, Nadab and Abihu, and seventy of the elders of Israel, and worship at a distance. Moses alone shall come near the Lord, but the others shall not come near, and the people shall not come up with him. Moses came and told the people all the words of the Lord and all the ordinances. And all the people answered with one voice and said, All the words that the Lord has spoken we will do. And Moses wrote down all the words of the Lord. He rose up early in the morning and built an altar at the foot of the mountain and set up twelve pillars corresponding to the twelve tribes of Israel. He sent young men of the people of Israel who offered burnt offerings and sacrificed oxen as offerings of well-being to the Lord. Moses took half of the blood and put it in basins, and half of the blood he dashed against the altar. Then he took the book of the covenant and read it in the, pe- in the hearing of the people, and they said, All that the Lord has spoken we will do, and we will be obedient. Moses took the blood and dashed it on the people and said, See the blood of the covenant that the Lord has made with you in accordance with all these words. Then Moses and Aaron, Nadab and Abihu, and seventy of the elders of Israel went up, and they saw the God of Israel. Under his feet there was something like a pavement of sapphire stone, like the very heaven for clearness. God did not lay his hand on the chief men of the people of Israel. Also they beheld God, and they ate and drank. Romans chapter 15, verses 22 through 33. This is the reason I have so often been hindered from coming to you, But now, with no further place for me in these regions, I desire, as I have for many years, to come to you when I go to Spain. For I do hope to see you on my journey and to be sent on by you. Once I have enjoyed your company for a little while. At present, however, I'm going to to Jerusalem in a ministry to the saints. For Macedonia and Achaia have been pleased to share their resources with the poor amongst the saints at Jerusalem. They were pleased to do this, and indeed they owe it to them. For if the Gentiles have come to share in their spiritual blessings, they ought also to be of service to them in material things. 
So when I have completed this, and have delivered to them what has been collected, I will set out by the way of you to Spain. Set out by way of Spain to you. And I know that when I come to you, I will come in the fullness of the blessing of Christ. I appeal to you, brothers and sisters, by our Lord Jesus Christ and by the love of the Spirit, to join me in earnest prayer to God on my behalf, that I may be rescued from the unbelievers in Judea, and that my ministry to Jerusalem may be acceptable to the saints, so that by God's will I may come to you with joy and be refreshed in your company. The God of peace be with all of you. Amen. Good morning and welcome to the ninth Tuesday after Pentecost. This is Brother Logan Isaac broadcasting from Walkersville, Maryland. This morning's readings come to us from Psalm 111, Exodus 24, and Romans 15. And the uh, the Romans reading just really stands out because just yesterday I was doing some uh, editing and uh, you know kind of confirming of research that I, that uh, I needed to do for God as a grunt, in particular the the chapter on martyrdom, in which I focus on George. Um, and the uh, one of the things that we that we kind of take for granted um, is that the early church didn't, there wasn't a big, huge persecution for several hundred years. Um, and when there was one, it was mostly focused at the top because it was just impossible to enforce, uh, you know, a, an edict of persecution throughout the empire, you know, very effectively uh, outside where the emperor and his supporters had the most control. Um, and by uh, by th- 303, um, um, good Lord, not Constantine, um, Diocletian's persecution, the edict of 303, um, you know, Christians had spread all through Rome. Um, and there were some martyrs, uh, mostly in the military, but also elsewhere. Um, and uh, the emperor did that because Rome was in decline, and he believed, as other emperors before him did, that did like lesser persecutions, targeted, um, you know, kind of targeted persecutions, not always against Christians, sometimes against anybody who didn't, you know, who wasn't observant. Um, but the reason he did that is because Rome was in decline, and uh, many of the emperors thought that um, popular unbelief was to blame. And the Christians were pretty outspoken. They were they were different from the Jews um, because a lot of Gentiles had come into this Jewish messianic group that began with Jesus, um, and the Gentiles, you know, had a lot of reason to celebrate. You know, the what. Paul and the apostles were preaching about this good news was exciting. And it was, you know, not being steeped in Judaism um, and not being formed by the same kind of, you know, culture. Um, the Christians, you know, by the end of the first century probably, were much more outward focused, I guess. Um, and it really spread like wildfire within Gentiles, meaning Romans. But anyway, so Paul in Romans is writing a letter, has written a letter to the Romans where he's going to go. And I kept tripping over this line, but he's going to Spain, his, the province of Hispania. And he's going to go to Rome on the way to Spain. Um, and there's this ironic line 
um, he says, um, pray with me um, that I may be rescued from the unbelievers in Judea. <laughs> and you read Acts and you hear about these repeated run-ins that he has with um, with Jews and with the Roman system. And the Jews don't like Paul and the Christians, um, and they repeatedly you know, drag him to court, or in Stephen's case, they stone him. Um, and so much of this quote-unquote martyrdom is instigated, it's like this intramural um, persecution. Other Jews are doing it to Jews they think have apostatized, which in turn kind of creates that image of the Christian in the Roman imagination. Um, and so <laughs> he's like, look, I'm tired of these these guys in Judea. All they do is put me in prison and, and send me to court. And the Romans are mostly, you know, they're, they're, they behave as they are expected to. You know, um, uh, Claudius Lysias, the tribune, uh, protects him from harm. Julius, the, the sailor, um, you know, uh, doesn't kill him and the rest of the prisoners just so that you know they don't go down. Um, it's these other Jews in Judea that Paul is like, I got to get out of here. The deep irony is that Paul um, Paul stops writing after this. So we assume he, he went to Spain, stopped at Rome, but in 64 AD uh, or CE, depending on how you phrase it, um, there's a great fire that started in Rome, and the emperor at the time, Nero, uh, the emperor in Rome at the time, um, blamed it on the Christians, um, and he just wanted a scapegoat. So he said, well, the Christians did it, and that gave a bunch of um, Romans, Roman citizen, Roman uh, residents, um, license to take out their aggression and frustration out on this new sect. Um, Tacitus called them uh, a disease um, that arose out of the, the Galilean province, the region in Galilee. Um, and talks a little bit about Jesus. But um, so in running from Judea and the persecution there, he actually runs to Rome and gets caught up in this persecution. And tradition holds that he was martyred in Rome at the hands of, not necessarily directly by Nero, but because of Nero's scapegoating of the Christians. And for some reason, pe- people think Peter was there too, and you know, we're not really sure, but who knows, maybe he could be. Um, and so he never gets to Spain. We don't have a letter uh, to the Spaniards or anything because um, he, was, he was very likely killed in Rome. And it's this out of the frying pan into the fire of, you know, while I'm, I'm running from these jerks in Judea, um, and I'm running right into, you know, this primed pump uh, for martyrdom in in Rome. Um, but that's kind of you know that's kind of how combat and spiritual combat go. Um, you may think for a moment that you've been spared, and immediately find out that there's something even worse waiting for you around the corner. Um, and you've you kind of always have to be on guard. Um, and it's I you know it's really messed up that he was killed. Um, he never made it to Spain. It's kind of tragic, but it's also kind of funny that he's like, I'm running from these people and I'm going to land right smack in the middle of where I don't need to do, be. Um, and historians um, suggest it's the first quote-unquote persecution. It's really not. It's not. It is, but it's not. The The emperor 
in Rome, the Western emperor, um, needed a scapegoat and he chose Christians. It's not that that he didn't like Christians uh, or, or their faith. He needed someone to blame, and he chose the Christians because they were a minority. The Jews had been expelled before, um, and so there's some you know, heightened animosity against those who were not participating in the Roman religious rituals. Um, and so he just was in the wrong place at the wrong time. Um, but, uh, you know, that's, that's why I, I chuckle because it's like, well, you know, half a dozen, one, 12, six and another, um, you know, you kind of have to pick your poison. Um, but, um, martyrdom, just to kind of close out the thought from earlier, uh, martyrdom is, is, it's spoken, it's it's talked up a lot more than history suggests or what we can verify really occurred. Um, it was definitely bad. People were killed. Um, but it was most of the, the persecutions um, were kind of sporadic and targeted, sometimes at Christians, but sometimes at anybody um, who, you know, didn't act the way Rome wanted them to in terms of religious rituals. The first one, there was a top-down persecution by the Emperor Decius in 249 that lasted about a year, and then Valerian made it worse, kind of continued on, but it only lasted, you know, two, you know in total, I think it was less than five years. Um, and that was, when I say 249, it wasn't until 303 when Diocletian, who really didn't care all that much, and historians both ancient historians and modern historians think that really it was um, uh, Galerius, one of the other emperors, one of the other four emperors, who said, look, we should really do this. And Diocletian being the ranking uh, emperor who's like, okay, fine, we'll, we'll give this a try. Um, and so that lasted <clears throat> a pretty good amount of time from 303 to something like 312 when Constantine I put an end to it decisively. But it was worse at the beginning in 303, and it started in the army, um, where the emperor had the most, you know, enforcement ability, and it was closest to him. Um, but when we think of martyrdom, there's, you know, say, let's say several hundred, right, were martyred under the Great Persecution, the biggest one. Um, you know, the way that uh, Eusebius and Lactantius and some of the other ancient writers suggested it was like. Thousands upon thousands, you know, these great multitudes had just been, you know, lying in the street, and the the road was um, washed in blood. Um, but the uh, Tacitus, this Roman guy who talks about you know, Galilee being this despicable place, blah blah blah, and how um, Nero blames this fire on the Christian, he also says that what that act inspired was not more conversions. It didn't win Christians to. Um, the faith, um, what it did was it inspired pity, and the the feelings against Nero heightened. Um, but there's no evidence that you know regular Romans saw the persecution and thought, "Oh, I want to be a Christian." Um, and so the 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 one to one ratio that Eusebius states of um, that the the blood of the martyrs is the seed of the church. Well, it takes a lot of care. It's not just that. Oh, you put the seed in the ground, and all of a sudden it sprouts up. Um, it's not a one-to-one -one ratio where, like, you somebody dies, another person sprouts up, or, 
or a handful of people become believers. Um, it's much more complicated and nuanced than that. And it's, it's hyped up as much as it is, um, you know, as much as we can verify, it seems as though it's getting hyped up, you know, kind of like how Israel talks about how victorious it was in Canaan and how it wiped everybody out and blah, blah, blah. And then later it's like, oh, and then we had to go take Jerusalem and these other cities. So um, <clears throat> communities kind of hype themselves up to make them feel better about themselves and to make them feel appear more cohesive and, and everything before others. But usually it's some of it is a bit of embellishment, and that certainly seems to be the case with with martyrdom here, even though we know it definitely happened. But the extent to which it happened, just like where Peter and Paul really died, um, cannot ultimately be known. We can only we can only speculate. A prayer for those who suffer for the sake of conscience from the Book of Common Prayer. O God, our Father, whose son forgave his enemies while he was suffering shame and death, strengthen those who suffer for the sake of conscience. When they are accused, save them from speaking and hate. When they are rejected, save them from bitterness. When they are imprisoned, save them from despair. And to us, your servants, give grace to respect their witness and to discern the truth, that our society may be cleansed and strengthened. This we ask for the sake of Jesus Christ, our merciful and righteous judge. Amen. Thank you for falling into First Formation, where Pew Pew HQ shares morning prayers for the humble, hardy folk caught in the crosshairs of God and country. If you like what you've heard, you can participate in one of the three following ways. First, you can support the podcast at patreon.com slash pewpewhq. You can contribute as little as a dollar a month, and you can cancel at any time if I ever piss you off. Second, you can become a co-host by recording a lectionary reading for a future episode. Instructions will be provided, and you don't have to be a grunt to collaborate with Pew Pew HQ in this or any way. Finally, you can also record and send prayer requests of a minute or less. Prayers can be included in the episode, read anonymously if you wish, or kept private for me to pray for off-air. So there you have it, three ways to participate in First Formation. I hope you'll continue to listen, even if I can't convince you to jump in. This has been Brother Logan Isaac, always faithful, always family. Semper Familia.